welcome to Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFBA. Over the next hour, you'll be introduced to business and local leaders impacting our community. Text your comments or questions directly to the studio at 540-371-5756. Now, the host of Town Talk, Ted Schubel. Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park in this morning. Maddie Hollis is here from the, the Park Service. We're going to talk about a whole lot of things, especially, though, research. Maddie, it's good to have you back this morning. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. I don't think I have seen, I haven't seen you since December when all of the, the, the Battle of Fredericksburg programs were, were were taking place a little bit about you before we get it be, get into this because everybody's there uh, the, the the stories that, that, that you all tell and everyone has a kind of a different path of getting involved with the uh with with the national park service i am guessing that when you were growing up you were interested in history oh definitely yes i am from virginia closer to williamsburg and so i was surrounded by history so there's really no way i could could just ignore it Uh, But yeah, I got interested in history when I was probably fourth grade or so, Mm -hmm. Um, read some books on history, had some folks come into my class to do living history, and I was just hooked from then on, Um, and then studied history in college. The, uh, did you, was, was, is is there a certain, you're, you're at a Civil War site here, but is there, is there a, a certain part of history that you're especially interested in? I like all American history, but definitely <laughs> Civil War history, colonial history, um, being from, you know, the historic triangle area. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely Civil War history was one of my main interests. Uh, part of the reason that I came up to Fredericksburg uh, to go to University of Mary Washington was because there's more Civil War battlefields. I yeah. kind of checked out all the ones around Richmond area and then realized, well, there's there's four more I can come explore. Well, you then, Maddie, would be would be a great person when when there are school tours or just just dealing with with kids or the opportunity to interact with kids, knowing what at a young age it did for you. Oh yes, yeah. I always get excited for the kids that come to the park because I can see myself in them. I remember being that age and and just falling in love with the subject. Not every kid who comes in, uh, you know, ends up being a history buff, but mm-hmm. the ones that do, um, it's really excited that you get to be the one to start their passion and start them on that road um, and kind of give back in that way. So it's a really cool experience. Well, and the the way, the especially the way the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park tells history, it's not like it used to be. And, and that's one of the things I know in, in talking to a lot of people sometimes, they'll take the approach of, well, I, I, I didn't like like history in school and I always say go to a park program it is nothing like you remember your history teachers the way they taught it oh yeah yeah and teachers you know they do the best they can do and with the time they have to cover subjects yeah when you come into a park uh, talking to a a ranger who has a passion in that subject you really do get a different element to it Um, you know you're not being tested on it when you show up so you don't have to memorize (laughs) the facts and and meet the standards instead it's it's conversations um, it's hearing what everyone else's different perspective is on on the topic. So yeah, it's it's a good way to kind of whenever I go to other national parks, I make sure I go on the ranger programs because I know they're the people who know the stuff and are going to tell it in a very excited, enthusiastic way. And you tell so many stories, you, you get to know people in their in their stories, and and that makes it really 
relatable and you, you, you can empathize in so many cases about things that the, the people, you, you can imagine what they, were, what they were living through. Oh, sure, yeah. So, you know, you get to know the historical figures themselves to a degree, learn their stories, learn what they were about. Um, you start to have kind of your favorites to a degree, you know, certain figures from history that you really connect to. And then the visitors, that's, that's one of the main aspects of our job is when someone walks in the door, you have to meet them where they're at and figure out what does this person like or what are their interests. Hmm. And then you can gear your programs, your talks to, to their particular interests. So that's, that's kind of key. And if you're a person around here, Maddie, one of the, one of the great things, the, um, the, 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 both the, the visitor center on Lafayette Boulevard with the downtown battlefield and then out at Chancellorsville and, and at Chatham too, Boy, some of the artifacts and the stories, the displays are really, they've all been redone over the last few years, and I mean, they are really captivating and will tell a story that, that you may not even realize. Oh, sure, yeah, just taking one small object and using that to tell a larger story. I always get really compelled by uniforms because someone wore that, and you can kind of picture that as yeah. you look at it, figure out that person's size and that kind of thing. Um, and, and really understand this was a real human being who hmm. was wearing this at one point in time. That's a great thing. I never thought of that. But you are you you, you can tell the the, the size in in in, in back. In, it seemed like a lot of uh, because of they, a lot of them I guess were young. But you look back with a lot of the Civil War uniforms, and they they are they are smaller. But that that does tell you a, a story about that time. Oh sure, yeah. You can you can figure out a little bit about that person just by uh, what they were given to wear. Um, sometimes there's marks or, or things on the uniform itself that tell a story of hmm. what happened to that person, uh, mending different things on the uniform. So yeah, just just an article of clothing um, can, can tell this broader story. Do people still bring things in that they find or, you know, some some family thing, either they have a story or they even want to just donate it to the park service? Sure, we definitely get some stuff uh, every once in a while. Um, a lot of paper records, you know, oh, my, my great-grandfather, these are his letters, uh, his diary or something like that. Mm. So a lot of paper records or photographs um, that, that come in or at least just oral history. People come in and they tell us this story that they know from their family, either from hearing it from another family member or they've done the research themselves. Um, I had a, a visitor come in not too long ago telling us a story about her ancestors who were brothers on the battlefield and kind of their story and had the records to go with it. So every once in a while, yeah, we do get people who come and, and want to contribute to our, our resources. Wow, that's got to be, that, that's, that, there's I'm sure a great level of excitement when you when you see that see those kinds of things especially if it's things you've never heard before and can you know help piece something together yeah there's always there's always something new to learn from every account even if it solidifies or says the same thing as some of the other sources in terms of what the soldier was doing there's always something that that soldier or person mm -hmm. um, puts into their ex explanation of events that's going to be unique um, so there's always something to learn. We're going to take a break and come back. Maddie Hollis here from the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. You've done a lot of uh, research, and we're going to talk about kind of the research end of, of things that go on at the park and some of the things that, that, that you have discovered. Maddie Hollis here. Quick break. We'll be back on News Talk 1230 WFVA. Welcome back to Town Talk on News Talk 1230. You can weigh in about today's topic on Facebook at WFVA 1230 and by text at 540-371-5756. Here's your host, 
Ted Schubel. Maddie Hollison this morning from the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. Maddie, one of the things, a, a lot of times, I mean, the, you, you and, and, and others, you're you're out giving tours a lot of days or you're at a, at, at a visitor center asking questions, but there really is a lot more to the life of a, a, a Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park ranger than, than just those things, and one of the one of those things is is is, is research and, and getting to do those kinds of things. Yeah. So when we're not, you know, at the desk, or maybe we have some downtime before people come in, that's some of the things that we do. We're always trying to figure out new information to talk about, um, learn things ourselves, just so that we know the content. And within that process, sometimes you find new things or make discoveries. Um, our park has had kind of a special opportunity in the last few years to really delve into that because our congressional period of significance uh, is what what it's called was expanded so that basically means congress has decided what time period or what events our park is supposed to talk about and what is kind of pertinent to our park and so being a civil war park our significance for the longest time was 1861 to 1865, so yeah. covering the Civil War. And that is, of course, still very central to what we do. Um, but because we have buildings on the battlefields that are part of our park that were built outside of that period, we have been expanded. So basically, we can talk about things from 1768, from when our, one of our first uh, buildings that we own in the park uh, was, was constructed, all the way up through the 1970s when uh, two of our, our buildings, Elwood and Chatham, came into our park boundary. And so with that expansion, that allows us to research and connect other periods of American history to the Civil War. So 1861 to 1865 is still our main content. Sure. Uh, but that allows us to talk about why the Civil War happens and then what happens after the Civil War. How exciting, though, that, 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 to expand that. I had not heard that. To, to expand that, you can, you can really tell a story and connect things and kind of even tie some things from the colonial time all the way up to up to today oh for sure and it makes sense when you think about it if we have a you know plantation site chatham for example construction starts in the 1760s why wouldn't we talk about that you know it's it's within our park so that's part of our park story chatham has an extensive civil war history but we can also understand what was happening at chatham before the civil war how did the people who lived there contribute to the start of the civil war in different ways and so we really do get to kind of broaden our scope to better understand this four-year conflict well and for i would guess for for those of you the for for rangers it's really exciting because you aren't just stuck with those those four or five years of of the war you you really can study outside and uh what a, what a you know what a fabulous opportunity oh yes and you know the civil war starts at a certain time it ends at a certain time but there is a, kind of a blending in the period before and after all the people who are involved their lives continue to be affected after hmm. the war is over in many ways whether it's a soldier who's dealing with physical disabilities, uh, whether it's a formerly enslaved person navigating life for the first time outside of slavery. So even though the war ends, there's still a story to tell. And you, and it's especially just the slavery story. You can, you can, you can start looking and, and, and finding 
pieces of that, you know, back in the 1700s, you know, and, and then we get into the civil rights movement and there, there are just a lot of things that you can tie this park to. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it, it's all interconnected. Um, the Civil War happens for a reason and there's decades and decades of events happening in American history that lead up to it. Um, William Fitzhugh, who lived at Chatham, he was the first person to live at Chatham, was a delegate in Virginia mm-hmm. various times during the American Revolution. So even just the decisions that he was helping to make sets the stage for the Civil War, uh, if you think about it, with slavery being protected in, in various ways. Um, it, there's a direct line that you can follow from even just his story to the Civil War. So what, what, have, you, what have you focused on and what, what, what are you excited about as far as, as, as research goes? Because you do strike me as, the, as, as a person that any, whenever you have free time or you have, you, you, you have time during the course of a day, if you can do some research, you're going to do some research. Oh, yes. That's, that's one of my favorite things to do at work is have some time to dig through records, see if I can find something new. Um, some of the, the areas of interest are um, just stories of individuals that we haven't touched on before. And so a lot of that, a lot of times is enslaved people because there's less documentation and, and kind of less information gathered uh, about enslaved people in the area. So I have built some research on, on different individuals, uh, both before and, and after the Civil War. Um, there's a particular woman whose uh, record that I, I located at one point, which was a really awesome find. I was very excited about it. A woman named Anne. She was 18 years old, and she was enslaved out at Elwood in Orange County, uh, which is on the wilderness battlefield today. Mm-hmm. And so when she was 18, uh, there's a court record that tells her story where, as a form of resistance against William Jones, who enslaved her, she burned down a barn at Elwood. And the court record tells us what happens to her. Um, She was unfortunately sentenced to be executed, but her sentence was changed because of her young age. And instead, she was transported to Richmond and sold. And so unfortunately, that's where her story ends. That's what we know about Anne. But this one court record has at least let us know she was there. Let us know the types of actions that people were taking at a place like Elwood. Wow, what, it, it just makes you wonder what happened. Yes, yeah. I have tried to follow the trail a little bit further, um, but but that is, as of right now, what we know about her. How did you f- even find any kind of a record of her? Yeah, so this is actually a great opportunity to give a shout-out to the Library of Virginia. Um, they have a database that they started uh, in the mid-2000s, the Virginia Untold database. And that database centers on stories of African-American history in Virginia through period, different periods of time. And so they have started this initiative as a way to gather all of those related resources into one place, digitize them, and make them publicly available. And so Anne's story comes from that database because of the work that the folks at Vir- Library of Virginia have done. It's called the Virginia Untold Database? Yes, Virginia Untold. So if anyone listening ever wants to kind of dig in and see what they can find, it's open to the public so you can just do a deep dive and, and look through some of the digitized records. It's got to be just 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 fascinating because in, in they slaves didn't have names, did they? 
So, you know, it's it's whatever the, the written record kind of tells us right. in a lot of times or, or oral histories from descendants. Uh, but first name, sometimes there's not a last name associated on, on record. Sometimes it's just assumed that their surname is the surname of their enslaver. So um, during the Civil War, you see a lot of enslaved people taking new last names as a way to kind of break from that former part of their life and, yeah. and from their enslaver. So the names can also be a challenge for trying to track someone's story. Boy, to... And like you say, with 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 Anne, it's such a it's such a narrow window, and I'm sure that you you encounter that. But but part of this with with the research and is is just is the the the, the chase to try to try to take this as far as as far as you can yes yeah so that was that was a record from 1826 and it's it's amazing that we have it um but but just that one record tells us a glimpse of her story but not from her perspective it is from the perspective of court officials recording that story um so unfortunately we don't get her words um but we can at least see her actions and, and learn a little bit about her just from, from what she did um, and what she was trying to do, um, trying to change the course of her life. And just and you just think that's that's one person. Yes, and that's just one that we have. So, there are yep. so many of those so many of those kinds of stories. And if it weren't for you and able to and, and you know folks that pull this kind of things these kinds of things together, we wouldn't even know about that. So. You know, congratulations to you to for 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 uh, getting just that much information. Yeah, and you know, all of us piece it together. So it's it's not just me kind of building this information and these stories. That was just I I happened upon that record one day. But uh, you know, the the folks at Library of Virginia were the ones who digitized it and and did that initial work. But we're all. You know, we all share our our ideas. You know, we go to each other mm-hmm. and say, hey. What do you think about this? Are you able to find something else? I looked here, but I couldn't find anything. Maybe you know where to check. And so it is a, a kind of crowdsourcing initiative. Well, and it's and it's even you know, kind of a, like a DNA thing of sometimes years and years later you find something. Who knows? Maybe somewhere down the line you find something in a, in a you know at a courthouse somewhere that that, that connects. And you I mean you you never know all of all of these cold cases. Something could come someday yes, with some yeah, of them. Yeah, and you got to keep it in mind so that while you're looking, you have to remember. Oh yeah, I, I remember that record Anne. I read years ago. Maybe that's connected. And so so it does take some time to piece these things together. Well, and and, and that's the thing. There are records, and 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 each each locality has records. And I'm sure others some kept records better than others. Or you have fires, or you have floods, or there's just all you're you're dealing with with a, with a lot of roadblocks at some yes. time. Yes, especially in Virginia because of the Civil War, a lot of courthouse records um, were destroyed or damaged in some way. So sometimes that throws your trail off a little bit. So you got to learn how to look elsewhere or what other records to pull from. Um, but yeah, the. Uh, the county that I'm from in Virginia had records destruction three different times before mm. 1865. So it it can be kind of tricky sometimes. So so what else have you been working on? Yeah, so another thing kind of, again, we talked a little bit about Anne. That's before the Civil War, but we also talked a little bit about kind of what comes after the Civil War and that the story doesn't just end in 1865. And so one of the main things I've spent some time researching in the past year or so is reconstruction in Fredericksburg, trying to get a better picture of 
what happens to this community when hostilities end? Mm -hmm. And what does that look like for all the different groups of people that are living in Fredericksburg? What did it look like? What was it? It's, it's, it's hard to even imagine. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I had to kind of work through when I started on the project was um, our perception of reconstruction. A lot of times we have these preformed ideas about what that period after the Civil War was like. Part of that is popular culture, you know, gone with the wind or different things that you see might form what you think of as what happens after the Civil War. Oh, absolutely. And so I had to work through, all right, what is reality? What is maybe a myth? Um, but in Fredericksburg, you know, the Fredericksburg area was occupied by federal forces after the Civil War um, for about five years or so. Um, but it's also occupied by the Freedmen's Bureau. So the Freedmen's Bureau was here uh, for a number of years after the Civil War. They were here to provide aid and protection to the black community in the area. So you have all these different figures and individuals who come into Fredericksburg in the first few years after the Civil War, and they're learning how to operate. It's all new to everyone. How do we come back together? How do we make amends in ways? How do we ensure that everyone is going to be protected yeah. and guaranteed equal rights? So it was it was a tough time for our country. Oh, you just think about it locally of how difficult it had to be because you you they're they're just you you look at what at what happened in just the the hatred that, that probably both sides had for each other and but but it's all right here. Yeah, and, and infrastructure, you know, in Fredericksburg, because of all the battles that happened here, the bombardment, people are also dealing with coming back and figuring out how to rebuild. Yeah. So it's it's a physical process, but it's also a social process and a political process. So there was a lot going on um, in Fredericksburg and throughout the South during Reconstruction. And so some stories have surfaced within that, again, stories of individuals that help us figure out what was going on here. When you mentioned the, the, the Freedmen's Bureau, because I have heard that, was were, were those like, were they troops? Were they like bureaucrats or a mixture of? So yeah, a lot of the um, agents, as they were called, that worked for the Freedmen's Bureau were former soldiers from the Civil War period. Um, a lot belonged to what was known as the Veterans Reserve Corps. So soldiers who had been wounded during the war and could no longer fight on the battlefield were then offered these positions hmm. in the Freedmen's Bureau as kind of something else to do. Um, and another conversation that we have within this research is when did the Civil War end? Because hostilities end in, in 1865, a lot of the armies surrender. But to a lot of people living after the Civil War, there wasn't this hard line of when war was over. And so soldiers are still serving yeah. uh, in various capacities. Um, you actually had to take a pretty lengthy test to be in the Freedmen's Bureau. You had to make sure um, you agreed with certain ideas about helping formerly enslaved people. So you did have to pass a test. Yeah, just because as, as, as you have talked, this is all fresh. And there, there, there may be people involved with the Freedmen's Bureau who who knew people that they had lost in Fred at Fredericksburg, or just th th there's a lot of things that, that we don't consider today because we're 160 some years out. But this, when this is fresh in people's minds, and yeah, you, when 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 you talk about just what, what what an area has to has to go through, 
that would have been a big thing around here. Oh, yeah. And we, we owe a lot of credit to the people who serve in this capacity after the Civil War because a lot of people just wanted to go home. Right. And there's still people who are committed to this effort of reconstruction, of getting our country moving again. And so they are sacrificing a lot of things. They're not going home after fighting in these battles and doing these different things. Um, and so this is a, a really important time in terms of, of service to our country. We're going to take a quick break and continue on good stuff this morning. This is just this fascinating. Maddie Hollis here from the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. We are talking research and right now reconstruction in Fredericksburg. More on News Talk 1230 WFEA. It's 831. From the Fredericksburg.today online news studios, this is News Talk 1230 WFBA Fredericksburg, a centennial broadcasting station focused on Fredericksburg. This is Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFBA. Hear the show anytime by subscribing to the Town Talk podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And now, here's your host, Ted Schubel. Maddie Hollison this morning from the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. This is so interesting, Maddie, just the, the fact that it's, it's not often that we can just sit and talk just about some of the research that, that, that you all do. I mean, you've got an interesting job sometimes. I'm sure that you when you want to just just keep researching and researching and and it's got to be frustrating at times when you do hit that brick wall you know something and you're you're following the path and then it just ends yeah so that's that's a reality of it sometimes (laughs) you can't find everything or maybe uh the record is not out there or you don't really know where it is yet um but it is really exciting when you do find stuff and and i'm excited just being here talking about it because you know we spend this time behind the scenes finding things and putting it together and then we just want to talk about it we just want to let people know what some of the things are that we're discovering um i can i can see why sometimes down the line that a, a lot of times uh national park service historians and rangers when you when you write books because you do a lot of this research and all of a sudden you're able to start putting pieces together and, and, and tell stories like this. Yeah, sometimes you have so much that it, it won't just fit into a, an article or, or, or something a little program like that or, 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 something. or a, a tour. And, you know, we want it all to kind of live on and be available for people. Um, but, yeah, so just doing doing the research, you find these stories of people and that you can really center a story around this, just this one person's experience. Um, is is a good way to kind of go about it sometimes. So the 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 Freedmen's Bureau, what and what an interesting time that had to be because like you like you said before, there just were, would have been so many emotions on on all sides. And you, you you think even today, we we walk downtown and we can you can see damaged buildings and you can still see where you know where there were where, where there was there was damage. When you're dealing at this particular time, that just happened, and it would just be fresh and. Just, just so many, so many raw emotions. Yeah, sometimes on the Fredericksburg battlefield in particular, because it is in the town, in the city, sometimes we get a lot of questions about why it's not better preserved. You know, why isn't there more of the Fredericksburg battlefield in terms of the open landscape that would have been here? And a lot of times what I'll tell people is, well, it was a town before and it was a town after. And so our, our thought process today is, oh, we want to save everything. We want to preserve it. But in 1865 or 1866, a lot of folks just wanted to rebuild. They mm-hmm. wanted that, you know, their homes and, and businesses back. So they didn't preserve a building in, in all instances. Instead, 
you know, there was a need for, for infrastructure and for homes and, and things to kind of go back up. Um, so that's part of our battlefield story is the process of, of building on to what, what became battlefield. That's so interesting. You're right. You're, you're right. Because there, there is, the, there's such an effort to save battlefields, but in this case, the battlefield was the city. Yeah, so it's it gets a little challenging, you know, Spotsylvania Courthouse Battlefield, that's farmland, so you see it change a little bit differently, mm-hmm. but in the town itself, all of this is happening, um, the, the political core of the community is there in the town, and so, so business has to go on, so to speak. Um, and then we talked, you know, earlier about how we have this period of significance, we can talk about these different things outside of the Civil War and connect the dots. Uh, we talked about Anne and the way that she resists before the Civil War. Mm-hmm. That theme of, of resistance continues after the Civil War, too. Um, another story kind of worth, worth sharing that has come up in research is about a guy named Joseph Dennis Harris. Um, he was uh, free. He was a free black man before the Civil War, and he becomes a surgeon during the Civil War. When the Civil War is over, he signs up to be a surgeon for the Freedmen's Bureau. Originally from Ohio, um, he gets put in Fredericksburg. So his post is the Freedmen's Bureau Hospital in Fredericksburg. Okay. And so his job is to take care of the black community in terms of, of medical care. But he takes it a step further because he's not just here to care for people's health. Um, he also sees an opportunity to lead the, the black community uh, in politics. And so um, he urges people to meet and gather and discuss um, and, and start these political clubs so that they can start to kind of uh, mobilize and, and become part of the, the community. And then in 1866, he does something pretty cool. Um, he goes to St. George's Episcopal Church with his brother, and they basically stage a sit-in. They sit in a pew that is for white churchgoers. Um, they are black, and they are told to leave. And it takes a, a couple of times of different people telling them to leave um, for them to actually do it. And so we see, even in 1866, something that um, seems more familiar to us from the, the 1960s. Right. You talk about civil, the civil rights movement. This is the civil rights movement way back yes, then in the 1860s right after the civil war yeah. so these are the types of stories that have emerged as we dig a little bit deeper into the periods right before and right after the civil war how would you have found found this was was it in news reporting was it in diaries newspapers yep so so a few different virginia newspapers report on this story because people paid attention to it mm-hmm. it was something unfamiliar um that he was doing he wasn't from fredericksburg so um you know just think about the risks that he was taking in doing that uh, the the pushback that he gets for doing that um but yeah newspapers report on it because they consider this a big enough deal that they they want to write about it and let people know that it happened that's a phenomenal story that that, that, that hasn't been told and uh, you, you you can you could you can envision that someday there is more made of that because that really is one of the that that's it's such a it's such a modern civil rights tactic that, you, that like you say was used back in the 1860s. Yeah, so this is happening all all the way back, um, you know, a hundred years before, and it continues in various capacities. Um, so we talked about resistance before the Civil War, and again, that that theme of of how we make change or how we make our voices heard when maybe. Um, people aren't listening to us or we don't have the avenues to make our voices heard 
um, it follows through American history. So that is a trend that continues. And it shows, it, it just shows that the, that the Civil War was more than 1861 to 1865, that there are, that, that there are, there, 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 there were feelings and, 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 and things continued to go on. It wasn't like you say, the, the signing at Appomattox and then everybody went about their ways and this is how things are going to change. It, change is slow sometimes yeah and and it took people motivated um to to making positive change to bring us to where we are you know it took a a persistence of of people saying hey this is not right or i'm not being treated fairly i'm going to continue to to speak up and and voice my opinion interesting do you have any other any any other stories that we have we have missed um i don't want you to leave i don't want you to leave and have a story that we i didn't hear yeah, I've got, got one more same similar time period. Um, this is specific to Chatham. So even just connecting mm-hmm. it to our park itself, uh, another formerly enslaved person named Harry Gray lived in the vicinity of Chatham after the Civil War. He's on the census record for 1870. Um, and we know he was enslaved at Chatham mm-hmm. well before the Civil War. And another one of those records that came up from the Library of Virginia database was a register that we've come across recently from 1867 listing all of the black male voters in the area who voted in 1867 which was the first time that black men could vote it was Mm -hmm. before um, the granting of of suffrage to black men there was a temporary uh, enfranchisement of of men during reconstruction so that states could pass new constitutions and so um, this was a very temporary initiative at the time and Harry Gray is one of the people that pops up on that register of voting so we know that this one person who lived 60 years of his life in slavery uh, exercised his his new political rights in 1867 by voting See, these are these are the kind of history stories I'm always telling people that you, you, you get from the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park because it does. It, it makes it more than just a timeline of dates that there are people living these dates. Yes. Yeah. Instead of just piecing together, you know, the, the timeline of the Civil War. OK, this battle happens and then this one happens. Instead, when you learn these stories of individuals, you start to wonder, what was this person like? Yeah. What? pressures did they face in their life what decisions did they make in their life and how can i see myself in that or have i ever been in a similar situation so when we personalize these stories that's when you really get into um empathizing with with what our nation went through you could and that's why if you if you go out to chancellorsville that that, that room that has just all those pictures all those faces in in, in all ages and both male and female and you, you take a look at that them and just think you know those that you know it's 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 that time period but those are there are all individual stories there yes yeah and you can kind of um i've even had folks come out and say hey you know this one looks just like my my uncle or yeah. something like that you know you start to even just recognize some of the faces as this person looks like someone I know, or I'm that exact age, or, or something like that. Yeah, it's hard to. It is. You you look at that and you think of what was going on at that time, and you just it, at times you look at it and you just think, boy, I have I've had it easy. 
Sure all of that at easy. Yeah, understanding what what everyone during this time period went through. So you've you've done obviously you've you've done a lot on Reconstruction, the Freedmen's Bureau, and and, and looked at you know kind of early civil rights in Fredericksburg. Is that what you continue to kind of dig through these days? Yeah, for the most part, you know, whenever I can, um, you know, we're we're slowly but surely getting ready for our next round of of 160th anniversary programs in May for the wilderness in Spotsylvania. So, you know, some of our efforts kind of shift as we do different things. So I try my best to kind of keep my research interests going when I can. And it's all with a purpose. So, um, you know, we want to make our programs um, better as, as, as much as we can. We want to highlight stories that we haven't highlighted before. Uh, we want to engage members of the community in the process, reach out to descendant communities for their ideas and their stories. Um, and then we're also working on audio tours and, and different things um, that will be available to the public that will feature some of this research. And that that's exciting too because there's 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 so much of of, of the park and not and there's not all it, it you can only be stretched so thin and you only have so many any rangers that, that, that can tell these stories have having an audio version uh, or being able to go to parts of the park and, and and hear these things I think would be just really effective. Yeah, yeah, we can't we can't be everywhere at one time. Um, and we've got four battlefields and, and multiple buildings to work with. And so when we're not on all of the battlefields or in all of the buildings, um, something that started during the pandemic was our park putting out audio tours for our battlefield so that as you go mm-hmm. around, you get this commentary, you get this research uh, in your car, on your phone that you can take with you. So we already have um, audio tours for each of our four battlefields. And then we are currently working on um, audio tours for our historic buildings and our plantation sites. So that's something that this research is, is going into. And even if you've lived here a long time, there's it, things are things are always changing, and there are so many there are so many places and stories around. I would when the hundred when the the hundred fiftieth anniversary came up. That's when, when I realized how many battlefields we had around here because you had Fredericksburg and then you followed that up with Chancellorsville and then Wilderness and then the over you know and then this 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 will be the Overland campaign like you said and there, there really are there really are a lot of places and, for, and uh, there's always there's there's always something around that. that, that that you probably haven't known oh yeah there's always new trails that you can hike um it took me a very long time to to do all of them and cross them all off my list in terms of checking all of them out at least once um but yeah we we manage eight over eight thousand acres of land so so there's always something new that you can go check out or revisit you know Mm -hmm. if you've been somewhere five years ago you might notice something entirely new or maybe we have a new sign out that you didn't see while you were there five years ago no just like lee drive is just an, an, an example of so many different things and so many different trails or different different stories that uh i'm always finding something new on, on lee drive itself Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, one one of our jobs is is trip planner as well. You know, we want to welcome people yeah. to the Fredericksburg area. Uh, we give suggestions on what else you can go see and do, and we're also trying to help people manage their time. We realize that when someone walks in the door and you have a day to work with, and you'd really like to lay eyes on all of our battlefields, 
Sometimes that's not possible. So right. we have just to with traffic. To, yeah, even just yeah, getting stuck on Route 3 will slow you down. Um, so trying to make sure we can help people get to what they really want to see while they're here in our area because there's so much to do and so much to see. That's got to be, be a challenge too because because some of the some of the sites in, in, in spots out, out on, on Route 3 are really interesting. But like you say, it does take you a little bit of time. Yeah, so it's it's all about, you know, what is your priority learning again, learning about the person who just walked in our door, uh, making a connection there, learning where they're from and and maybe what their background is and then that will help us say, "Oh, well, sounds like you'd like wilderness more than Spotsylvania for this reason or something like that." Yeah. And like I say, go make sure you go the both both visitor centers have just such interesting books or all, all kinds of information. They, they can can fill in, or they 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 make great gifts for when you're when you're looking at at, at birthdays or, or or holiday kinds kinds of things. There there really are there really are a lot of great materials and in, in, in different things out there. Oh yes, yeah, and just for our our bookstores, our um our Eastern National team, they're the the group that runs mm-hmm. our bookstores. They are fantastic. They oh, do. Yeah. They go above and beyond to serve every person that comes in, and also just make sure we have great stuff. You know, great books. They keep up with what is new and, mm-hmm. and what would be a really good book for people to have while they're here in the area or learning about it. So they are are vital to our operation. Maddie uh, Hollis here this morning from the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. One final break, and uh, we'll conclude this morning on News Talk 1230 WFVA. This is Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFVA. Download the all-new News Talk 1230 WFVA app for Apple and Android. Text your comments or questions directly to the studio at 540-371-5756. And now, here's your host, Ted Schubel. Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. Uh, our focus this morning with Maddie Hollis, uh, with uh, the uh, with with the park. As far as, as tours and things going on, Maddie, within the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park, what's what, what's available? Yeah. So beyond just you know coming into our visitor centers and talking to us, uh, we talked about the new audio tours. So we've had the ones for the battlefield. Maybe some of you listening have done some of those mm-hmm. already, um, but we will have four more to complete our full set so that wherever you go in our park, there will be an audio tour. Um, we already have one up that's new for the Jackson Death Site uh, off of 95 and Route 1. So that one's up. Great Check place that one to, out. Great place to visit, oh, by the yes. way. And you get the full breadth of that site's history. Mm-hmm. And then uh, by the spring, um, they're all kind of in in progress. We will have audio tours for Elwood out in Orange County, Chatham, uh, just across the river from Fredericksburg, and then Salem Church along Route 3 between Fredericksburg and Chancellorsville. So by this spring, the goal is to have audio tours for every site in our park. How cool is that? And, and just as a couple of the, that you named, Elwood, and especially Salem Church, we all go by Salem Church all the time and don't even realize it's 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 too bad what's, what's happened there as far as growth goes. But stop off sometime and just walk around and, and, and spend some time at Salem Church. There's that's, that's 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 a great site too. Oh yes, lots of uh, it's kind of interesting stories to tell just at that one building. And yeah, it is it is easy to pass it and not even notice it's there. So. Once we have that tour up, definitely pull off and just take, you know, 15, 20 minutes um, to listen to that story. Yeah, no, it is it is great. The, the thing that has been great about having you here this morning, Maddie, is so often when when you come in and we, we, we talk about uh, events and, and things, 
we've really spent a lot of time this morning just on your research and just kind of individual names, what, you know, the Ands and the others that you, that, that you have talked about. And, uh, just to just to learn about how and the the, the the research you do, it's 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 there's there's a lot more to the park than often just the, the the tours that we all see behind the scenes. You're doing a lot of work, you and others. Oh yeah, we've got a, a host of of history nerds that are active <laughs> and always uh, digging through stuff. Well, thank you for what what, what you and others do because it it is a great story and it's more than just preservation. You continue to to dig and be able to tell the story and to tell the stories of of, of so many people we wouldn't know about but but people who preceded us and who were living here. Yeah, it's it's rewarding to know too that these stories will live on. You know, you find this and now others will know about this person. Well, thanks for what you do. And and thanks for coming in this morning. This has been fabulous stuff. Oh, yeah. It's been a great time. Thanks for having me. Maddie Hollis is with the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. Make sure you check out the park. There are all kinds of things to do, even just for a couple of hours, a couple times a week. You ought to do it. Maddie, thanks so much. That is it. Thank you for listening. We will see you in the morning. Thanks for listening to Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFVA. The views expressed by the hosting guests on this program are their own and not necessarily those of this station, its management, or Centennial Broadcasting. Hear the show anytime by subscribing to the Town Talk podcast on your favorite podcast platform. The Glenn Beck program is next on News Talk 1230 WFVA, focused on Fredericksburg.